Hello, everyone, and welcome to the First Loved Podcast. As many of you know, I've mentioned at different times and different places that I am in the end stages of working on my thesis, which is about First Loved. The hope being that if we would actually be loved, maybe we'd be more loving and known by love. So I'm working on that, and the second chapter is the theology chapter, where I have to defend why I'm teaching what I'm teaching. And of course, the key thing, the key command that's behind all of this is the new command. Love one another as I, Jesus, have loved you, so you must also love one another. I'm always encouraging people to recognize that you can't obey that command unless you experience Jesus love you first. The disciples could only do that because they'd been loved, and especially John 13, 1, where the new command is 13, 34, it's later on in the chapter, it begins with having loved his own. He now loved them to the end. Well, having loved his own, how does anybody get loved through words and actions? Now, it's been difficult, truthfully, especially John's gospel, because here John transitions after chapters 1 to 12, he refers back to those chapters as the season in which he loved his own, and yet there's hardly anything, whether words or actions, in the way that Jesus loved the disciples. Whereas at the meal, there's so many things that he says and does up until the time he ascends into heaven where he loves the disciples in a variety of ways in the remainder of John's gospel. And the other truth is that the other three, what are often referred to as the synoptic gospels, their intent was that you would just believe that Jesus was the Lord, that he was the Messiah, the Son of God, and by believing you would have life in his name. That's actually from John's gospel. But the point being is that they weren't writing this for you to know how much Jesus loved and the ways that he loved. And so there's not a lot to draw from. But finally, I just kept rereading the gospels and I pulled out a list of verses that I find loving. And I was actually a bit challenged because all these years, so many of our love verses are not from the Gospels, not actually from the lips of Jesus. And I thought, wow, how did I miss that? That here it's all about being loved by Jesus. <laughs> and then even on our sample list of verses, there's only one statement that's by Jesus when he says, as he's praying in John 17, 23, and he says, Father, that they would know that you love them even as you love me. All the rest of the passages are other verses in the New Testament and from the Old Testament. So I just thought, yay, Lord, thank you for actually helping me look through the Gospels and what are the specific things that you said to love us? Well, over the next numbers of weeks, I'm not sure how long, but I want to go down through that list. Probably some of the times I'll combine verses together. But I, I'm really looking forward to putting out there this list of verses, and especially where you can hear it from the Lord. The first one that I decided to do today is from Matthew, and mostly because it's one of these invitation verses of Jesus. And I, you find it everywhere because it's one of the fewer verses, right, that where Jesus explicitly says something that feels so loving and encouraging to our hearts. And it's Matthew 11, 28 to 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke, my yoke is easy, and my burden, it is light. 
and you will find rest for your soul. Such a cool passage, really, such a cool statement by Jesus. In the commentary, they talk about the fact that this invitation to come, Isaiah 55 is, is another one, come to the waters, all you are thirsty, come by and eat, come by wine and milk without money, without cost, where there are these moments where God would say, come, 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 come. And here now Jesus is saying, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Well, I wanted to take just a moment then to talk about some of the specifics of this, because from time to time, there are some things that are said that, especially about the yoke idea, that is not really accurate, especially the idea of being yoked to Jesus, like two oxen would be yoked. It's a nice idea, but the scholars are all pretty consistent of saying that's highly unlikely of what that meant. But the critical thing is when Jesus says, you know, those of you who are weary and burdened, that you're tired, that it's heavy, it's difficult. And so often people would interpret that to mean just life's general difficulties. Well, in the commentary, and the commentary I'm using is from this guy, R.T. France, but he says, they may be metaphors for the difficulties and pressures of life in general. But, he says, in Matthew 23, 4, where Jesus said that the Pharisees put heavy, cumbersome burdens on people's shoulders, it was a metaphor for the legal and ethical demands made by scribes and Pharisees. So it's not necessarily a totally discount that sometimes you just feel overwhelmed by all of life's stuff. But especially in this case, the most overwhelming, heavy, burdensome thought was that somehow, someway, they would be disobeying, breaking the law, and that there would be negative consequences to that. So again, here in the commentary, R.T. France says, the metaphor of a yoke, which in the OT commonly denoted social or political oppression and had a strongly pejorative sense, came to be used in later Jewish literature, listen to this now, used later in Jewish literature for the demands of the law upon people's obedience, usually understood in a positive sense, an obligation freely accepted by putting on the yoke of the Torah, the law. All of that to say is that it was supposed to be understood as a tool in the same way that a yoke might guide somebody, guide an animal, that the law ideally was to guide us, to instruct us, to lead us in the right way to go, that it would be a blessing to us. But the truth is, is that people did not experience it that way whatsoever. Instead, it seems that what Jesus was referring to is that it was the interpretations and the applications by the Pharisees and the scribes of the law that overwhelmed people. So, actually, the paragraph that France was referring to is Matthew 23, 4, when he said, Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, right, the seat of authority. So, you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. And here's the key line, they tie up heavy cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. 
That's what Jesus seems to be ultimately referring to, that people were just, their souls were weighed down. It wasn't so much their bodies were weary and tired, although that could easily be true. It was their souls that were oppressed, their souls that were overwhelmed, pushed down by all the little ways. Think about the times that Jesus would rebuke the Pharisees, especially when they kept trying to trap him when he was healing people on the Sabbath. And their applications of what it meant to work they would actually tell Jesus, you can't heal. You can't do good. And that's when he challenged them and went, wait a minute. Hello, if one of your animals fell into a pit, how many of you reach down and help it out? Well, of course, that would have been work. And then he gets mad and just says, how dare you? You know, how much more valuable is a human life than an animal? And he says, so again, you're hypocrites. You don't practice that. You would go after what mattered to you in a heartbeat and probably then find some way to excuse yourself for what you did. And even in Acts 15, here's another example where Peter's talking to the council, and they're all trying to figure out how Jewish did the Gentiles now that were becoming part of the people of God and believing in Jesus and experiencing the Spirit, they're trying to decide, well, do they have to get circumcised? Do they have to obey the law? That it's Jesus plus. To which Peter says, now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear. And of course, when the letter finally goes out, (laughs) the only thing they're supposed to do is not have any sexual immorality and a few food laws about blood. And I'm telling you, I'm sure the Gentiles were doing some serious woohoo, you know, that we don't have to get circumcised and We don't have to know the law necessarily forward, backward, and sideways, which doesn't mean they didn't have to obey the law, but remember that if you were walking in the Spirit, you would do the law, that the fruit of the Spirit fulfilled the law, that you love your neighbor as yourself, it fulfills the law. So again, here's Jesus. This is what makes this so loving, is that Jesus is telling them, come to me. I know how you feel. I know the pressure you feel. I know what these guys have said and done to you and the way that they've taught the scriptures so that you're just so oppressed and overwhelmed by it. But he says, come to me and learn, learn from me. And then he says, and take my yoke. And of course, what does that mean? Take my yoke. Well, two things, it seems that from the rest of it, when Jesus says that part of the lightness of his yoke where indeed there was a time when when the yoke implied obedience, it, especially in a sense to slavery. So the bigger question where Jesus take my yoke, the question is what sort of master is one serving? And the coolest part is that when you take Jesus's yoke, he as our master is humble and gentle of heart. That even though he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords, to those who come to him as little children, to those who come full of faith and trust, he is humble and gentle. He's kind. Actually, some of the translations said meek or lowly. And oftentimes people have seen that as being Jesus being weak or something. But you haven't read the whole gospel. Because <laughs> over the folks that needed to be spoken to sternly, he could do that. But to those who are oppressed and weary and just wanted to know God and be close to him, Jesus is saying, listen to me. Listen to things that I'm teaching. Listen to my application. Listen to my interpretation. And truthfully, folks, I'm convinced in my heart that the very core of his yoke, of his teaching, what makes it all work, is in fact the new command. 
that we're supposed to come and be loved by him so that we can love as he has loved us. And when we do that, we remain in his love. We fulfill the law. If you're looking to love like Jesus, you're not going to sin. You're not going to harm. You're not going to hurt anyone, God or anybody else. And I think that's the primary foundation on which the great command was to love God and to love your neighbor. Well, this is even better. Love one another as I personally have loved you. Now I want you to love one another in the same way. And that being loved and loving as and because loved, it causes us to remain in his love. So that's the idea behind the yoke is that it's actually most likely taking on Jesus's interpretation of the law. But there was this interesting thing that, again, this scholar R.T. France said it's more likely because there's a human yoke actually where human beings would deliberately put yokes on them as a means to help ease the weight of something that they were carrying. And so he says that it's possible that Jesus' yoke also included this idea of the single human yoke, where he says, however appealing the idea of being in a double harness with Jesus may be, it's just not the point. He is offering those who are finding their loads too hard to carry a new yoke, which far from adding to their oppression, will ease the burden and paradoxically will bring not further toil, but rest. That following Jesus's command... And then I did the work of trying to figure out all the other kinds of commands, which really only once does he say command that he commands, and that's the new command. There's all these imperatives, and my best count was about 73 of them. All of them are ways to love God, love your neighbor, love your enemy, and love Jesus. Everything Jesus taught was here's what love looks like or what it doesn't look like. And so if we do what Jesus has asked us to do, primarily to love is loved, and then in the specific ways of what that love looks like. You're going to remain in his love. You're going to experience full and complete joy, Jesus said. It's easy, light, and rest for your soul. It doesn't get any better than this, folks. I just can't imagine a more important first verse of love from the Lord Jesus where so many of us feel overwhelmed by all the do's and don'ts and right and wrong, and you don't want to fail, and you don't want to screw up, and you want to obey and not disobey, but you feel so much pressure, etc., etc., etc. So listen, listen, listen to the heart of Jesus. Come to me. Come to me. All, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you Rest. Rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn from me. For I am gentle and humble of heart. You can trust my character. Trust my heart. And if you do and love and walk in my ways, you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke, my teaching, it's easy, it's light. It's easy, it's light, it's not heavy, it's not hard. It's easy and light and rest for your soul. Jesus, if that was the only words of love that you ever said to us, 
That is such good news. Because, Father, we believe with all our hearts that to be in relationship with you and the Son and the Spirit, we, there's something internally, instinctively that says, this has got to be better than just drudgery and trying to figure out how not to screw up every day. Thank you for the hope of this passage. Thank you that it's real and true in so many of our lives. And Father, I pray if anybody's struggling that way, I pray today, let them hear this afresh in their soul. Let it bring the peace. Let it bring the rest that you long for them to experience. Teach us how to come to you and be loved by you first, Lord, in deeper and deeper and deeper ways. That we might walk in a way that feels easy and light and rest to our souls. And that it would be appealing to those around us. They go, how do you live like that? Where's that peace come from? You seem so at rest. Help us, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you. God bless. Have a great week. Bye now.